Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you would take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations, you're now members of the 114th Hello, I'm Congressman G.K. Butterfield asking for your support as I seek to once again serve you in Congress. Too many North Carolina families are struggling to make ends meet and put food on the table. But that's not right. If you work hard and play by the rules, you should have a fair shot at achieving the American dream. But for too many, this dream feels out of reach. No single mother in America should work and still live in poverty. No veteran who has defended our country should come home but have no place to call home. No family should have to worry about how it will care for elderly parents when that same family is having trouble caring for itself. We can do better. America deserves better. But the extreme policies of Republicans here in Washington and in Raleigh are making life worse. They are cutting programs that provide a safety net for the poor and help grow the middle class. In Washington, Republicans shut down the government, refuse to help the long-term unemployed, and are denying millions of Americans a pay raise. In Raleigh, Republicans cut education funding. They cut it to the bone, denied a half million people access to health care by refusing to expand the Medicaid program, and are trying to silence people by making it harder to vote. It is clear the Republicans in Washington and Raleigh are pursuing the same destructive path. Enough is enough. It's time to move our country in a new direction. When I spoke recently at a Moral Monday rally, I joined the diverse coalition demanding that we improve our policies and our politics. We have a moral obligation to ensure that we do not sacrifice the common good of the many for the benefit of the few. Our mission is to close the opportunity gap. Our mission is to reduce poverty and grow the middle class. I am running for Congress so I can continue to fight for what we believe in. I believe no one who works every day should live in poverty. So we must expand opportunity, not only to urban America, but to rural America as well. I believe we should fight as hard for our veterans as they have fought for us. I believe women deserve equal pay for equal work. Ultimately, I believe that America's best days lie ahead. But my friends, we're in a fight for our future. It's a fight we can win if we do it together. Our work begins now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to AJC Radio, and it is Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight we focus on a champion in Washington, D.C., uh, Congressman G.K. Butterfield, also chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus. And I'll tell you what, uh, we are going to have a time tonight as we spotlight one of our nation's best in G.K. Butterfield. Hang on to your seats, folks. 
AJC Radio takes a trip to the nation's capital. Hold on to your seats. Ladies and gentlemen of America, I'm Lamont Banks along with Sam Thurman, Cliff Stewart, and this is AJC Radio, and Spotlight Thursday, Spotlight on Capitol Hill takes place right now, and ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you right now, the temperature in Colorado Springs is 73 degrees, thunderstorms outside, lightning and all of that stuff that folks really don't care for, New York City, partly cloudy, 79 degrees, and in sunny California, it's 92 degrees and mostly sunny in California on the West Coast. And uh, we welcome you tonight to AJC Radio. Sam, how are you tonight? Doing good. And uh, Cliff, uh, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Okay, and uh, Lisa's uh, uh, off tonight, uh, who is normally with us. Uh, but I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Sam, is we have had an opportunity to look into the Honorable... Uh, and we can say that without fear of contradiction uh, in regards to Congressman G.K. Butterfield, a former judge. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, what are your thoughts as we get ready to dive into another champion that occupies a seat at the nation's capital? Well, you know, for me, anyone that uh, was very uh, has been active for years in the civil rights uh, activities, uh, it's, it's very impressive to me. And so for him to get involved in civil rights uh, at an early age when he was in high school or right out of high school, um, and, you know, and we'll talk more about it, but, uh, you know, it, it's some good things. Okay. And, uh, Cliff, as we have uh, uh, said tonight, that uh, uh, Congressman G.K. Butterfield had an opportunity to listen to him and hear some of the conversations he's having. he's having. And I'll tell you what, we say this every week. Uh, the folks that are coming up on Spotlight on Capitol Hill, uh, we could have a part one and part two for some of the folks we've carried, if not a part three and four, because of the impact and the work that's going on, not only in North Carolina, but what he what he does to impact this nation. Your thoughts on that? Well, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the fact that he is the chairman of the uh, Congressional Black Caucus, and you look at all of the uh, all the things, the working groups that they have, all of the task force that they have. Uh, for the things that they're fighting, uh, you know, definitely. I mean, he he's a part two, three, and four. But you know, when you you look at the basis of what he stands for, and it's it's equality and everything. I mean, uh, sure, the Congressional Black Caucus is about civil equality um, for you know national advancement of all color people, as NAACP puts it. But also, he he looks at the typical working person, and and his mantra is that. He makes sure that the poor and middle-class Americans have a seat at the decision-making table. And when you look at somebody who takes that stance, that is extremely important because everybody, uh, you know, in Congress doesn't have that thought. They say, you know, a lot of a lot of candidates say, well, we're going after the middle class because those are the ones who vote. Those are the ones who matter. But he says we're making sure the poor and the middle class, every working person in this country, as he said in the clip, should not be, uh, you know, basically should not be in poverty. And he's he's fighting to ensure that happens. No, and that's absolutely right. Uh, you know, as we, as we look at him and folks again, you may want to get your seatbelts out and buckle in to the couch or the chair, whichever you'll be sitting in tonight, as we get ready for a journey uh, into a a man's life that uh, again impacts a nation. And uh, 
Sam, as we look at the Congress folks and the Congress people that have been on this program, uh, how important is it that these Congress people that are elected to office impact not only their district, but this nation? Uh, you know, Lamont, it's very important, and that's one of the things I think that we've highlighted as we've uh, progressed with Spotlight on Capitol Hill, is that the members of Congress uh, and, and the Senate uh, have actually displayed the character and, the, and the, um, the drive, if you will, to consider the condition of the nation as a whole. You know, very often you will run into folks who say, well, it, as, especially if you call Washington, D.C., sometimes you'll get an aide or someone answering the phone, and they will readily deflect you by saying that, well, you know, uh, what state are you calling from? And you're not part of the constituency and that type of thing. The folks that we've been talking about on Spotlight on Capitol Hill, you don't get that. I mean, granted, yes, their first obligation is, is to their constituents. But when they take on the mantra or the uh, the mantle and and drive initiatives that affect the entire nation, that's what becomes admirable. And I'll tell you what, uh, and I beg to differ with uh, their aides. Uh, we are all constituents of every <laughs> member that occupies the seat of Congress, and I'll tell you why. It says we the people, right? We the people of the United <laughs> States of America, and if perhaps that's not in the book you have, uh, maybe you have a fake book or a fake copy of the Constitution uh, of the United States. We the people, and I'll tell you what, when there's a vote to go to war, that's just strictly not North Carolina or New York City. These are troops coming from every part of the United States. So, again, we beg to differ with that mindset, and I'll tell you right now that we are constituents of Congressman G.K. Butterfield, and uh, hopefully that explanation is suffice for you. And uh, we're going to be digging into that tonight as we begin to, to uncover the life of a man who is making a difference here on Spotlight on Capitol Hill. And uh, folks, hang in there. And uh, right now we're going to do our disclaimer. Sam? We are not attorneys on a just cause coast. To, uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> a just cause AJC radio uh, does not provide legal advice. Uh, please contact your personal legal advisor. For your legal needs, also the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of the Just Cause or HAC Radio. But as always, thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend time with us this evening, Lamont. All right, and I think what's proper, uh, Sam Cliff and the HAC team, and to all of our listeners, every show, and we dedicate this show tonight and every show to the IRP Six. Without them and their injustice that they suffered. Uh, AJC Radio would not be here fighting for the right for justice. And, and Gary and uh, Sam, can you give us the IRP six for us right now? I certainly can. The IRP six are David Banks, Dave Zapolo, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, Demetrius Harper, and Gary Walker. And as usual, we'd like to invite our listeners to go out to freetheirp6.org. Again, freetheirp6.org. You will find a compelling story in-depth profiles on all of these gentlemen who were wrongly convicted and uh, a just cause and AJC Radio continues to fight for their exoneration. They've been wrongly uh, incarcerated now for over three years. And then for more information about a just cause, you can go to www.a-justcause.com Again, uh, www.a-justcause.com Alright, thanks Sam for that and uh, definitely honoring the IRP6 as we fight for justice. 
uh, for these six men. And uh, there's some current events going on right now in the news uh, that we'd like to dig into. And uh, the first story, a tragedy uh, that took place, uh, I believe, uh, the reporter, Sam, that uh, I guess her and uh, I believe it was her cameraman. Is that, that correct? That is correct. Uh, what, what, tell us a little bit about that story. Well, you know, they were doing a uh, Chamber of Commerce a live shoot uh, a, a segment on their morning news yesterday morning. And um, and a former uh, disgruntled employee of the television station where they worked uh, showed up on scene and uh, just commenced to, to fire at them. And uh, the, the reporter was Allison Parker, and the uh, photographer, the videographer, was Adam Ward. And they were both uh, uh, part of the team there in North Carolina, uh, WDBJ. And uh, apparently the, the shooter ended up shooting himself. And it's my understanding that he did die yesterday. But, uh, I mean, tragic, very tragic story. And, and I guess Miss Parker, uh, uh, yesterday was actually supposed to be her last day at the station. She was going to another station to work. And so, you know, uh, yeah. very, very tra- tragic story. I, I looked at a little bit of it this morning. And the news team there, the morning news team, um, you know, they... It was very difficult for them to to do their to do their show this morning. Well, I'll tell you what, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from what I've heard today on the on the news, yeah, I'm sorry, that was in Virginia. In Virginia, yeah. uh, I did see on the news today they were talking in regards to uh, some complaints apparently that this shooter had filed with the uh, with the news station in regards to harassment or racist mar- remarks uh, and racial mistreatment, if you will, and again. Uh, we're not excusing anybody taking the law into their own hands or becoming violent. That's not my point here. The point is there are injustices that happen in this country. Nobody knows the story uh, per se of what prompted this man, uh, Sam, to go in in a situation and begin to try to find justice in some shape, form, or fashion, though bad decision-making on his part to do such a thing and then ultimately losing his own life. Um, it, it, it begs the reason what exactly is going on in America right now as we talk about uh, some of the things. And, again, I wasn't there. I wasn't present. I don't know what happened. Uh, but it, it, the fact that that has even come up in discussion, uh, and it has come in this, up in discussion on, on CNN today as I was watching it, um, that's very troubling to a nation. Uh, for people, whether they feel they've been done wrong, whether they feel like something has happened, that would drive a man or a woman, boy or girl, to to take this type of action. Uh, again, that these are the tough questions that we have to answer as a country. Uh, it does, again, we don't excuse or we don't condone violence in any way of retaliation. Um, but the bigger question is outside of and our condolences go out to the families uh, of those folks that have been lost. Uh, our sincere condolences and prayers uh, to those families. But these are tough questions that we have to. That we have to answer. Well, and you know, Lamont, uh, this this man who committed this heinous uh, act, uh, Bryce Williams, aka I guess his uh, uh, his name was Vester Flanagan. Um, if you have if you have a gripe with your previous employer or even some of your coworkers, you know this is not the way to settle that type of situation. And why these two? You know, why Miss Parker? Why why Mr. Ward? So my understanding was, this is again all that's in speculation right now, Sam, is that 
the lady that uh, was shot was a reporter that actually replaced him uh, after he was let go by the organization. Uh, apparently there was some compl- and again this is based upon what is being reported right, right. Uh, is that uh, there was some issues filed against this man uh, as a worker uh, my understanding from the news report today that it was this reporter that filed certain complaints that the job wasn't being done properly or something was going on where it was not sufficient work they ended up replacing him with her that is again my understanding of what's being reported uh, in the news and again, I do agree with you. This is not the way to solve it. Uh, the, the bigger question is, what drives a person to this? And that's the question, I think, is the tough question uh, that we got to take a look at. Yeah. It, it's difficult to look at that when some innocent lives have been taken. And again, please understand uh, our point on agency radio and my point as, as uh, uh, a person on this program. We don't condone violence in any way or retaliation. And the, the, the tragic loss of life... Uh, that took place with this young lady and this gentleman uh, should have never happened. Yeah, and, and, and um, it, this is what we're dealing with as far as the country right now. People doing things that that simply just don't make a lot of sense uh, to us. Uh, I wonder, and we can't get inside the head of of, uh, of Bryce Williams. We don't know where he was, what his thoughts were, what prompted him to make such a move two years later. Yeah, after his release and. Yeah. Um, if there was some psychological problems, I, I hope the community uh, did whatever they could to try to get this man some help uh, or whatever the case was. And, again, we can speculate all night, but our condolences to the family Absolutely. Uh, and those that have been lost in this, uh, in this tragedy. It is uh, a tragic situation, and our prayers are also with them. Yes. Um, as we get ready to take out the lights tonight and shine on a gentleman, Sam, as we have said earlier, when we come back, uh, from the break, uh, G.K. Butterfield, the chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus on Capitol Hill. Uh, I remember, Sam, when all the stuff was going on in regards to Ferguson, in regards to Eric Gardner, all the things that happened. Uh, he said specifically that the agenda for the Congressional Black Caucus was judicial and prison reform and, and, and holding people accountable for the disparities and the tragedies that were happening on our streets across this country, uh, that was uh, uh, focus point number one, he said, for this Congressional Black Caucus uh, to look into and to see what we can do to fix the issues that this country faces on the judicial level. Uh, these are troubling times here in America. Absolutely. And, you know, when you look at the uh, Congressional Black Caucus uh, website, um, he uh, lists out the various task forces and, and and the types of things that they are involved in, and uh, his opening letter uh, basically, you know, talks to the fact, it speaks to the fact of how uh, honored he is to lead this organization of, uh, of, uh, of of leaders on Capitol Hill. You know, the African American leaders on Capitol Hill, and so you know they have a uh, tall challenge uh, to 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 move forward. And the fact that they have, uh, over the last, not very long, you know, have they been in existence, right. you know. And uh, just recently, the, one of the founding members uh, just passed away. And so, you know, uh, but they are pledging to move forward, keep the work of the Congressional Black Caucus moving forward. And as you talked about earlier, you know, taking on the initiatives that are important in this regard, taking on the initiatives that are important to the African-Americans in 
in the United States. And, uh, and, and as you and I talked earlier, this is just one aspect one. of the broad uh, accomplishments of Congressman Butterfield. Well, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, as the end of summer approaches, you may want to take out the watermelon out the refrigerator because soon before you know it, snow will be on the ground depending on your geographic location. As summer approaches an end, as we come close to Labor Day, I believe it is, Sam, right, coming up? We've got a couple of weeks, a, couple a week weeks. and a half. Uh, so, folks, tonight, uh, go ahead and break out the lawn chairs. They sit outside. Uh, definitely New York City, California, where the weather is complimentary uh, for that type of situation. We are coming back uh, on AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill as we shine the light on another legend. Congressman G.K. Butterfield is the highlight tonight on AJC Radio. Hang in there. We're coming right back with you. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call one 855-529-4252 that is a just cause and we fight for justice again call a just cause today don't delay call 1-855-529-4252 it is time and I say high time that we take America's incarceration seriously won't you join us? Call today. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation? So long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do board chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? 
life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life. Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio, and it is Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, and tonight we take a journey across America, down to North Carolina, with Congressman G.K. Butterfield, as the spotlight tonight shines on him, a gentleman that is making some differences on Capitol Hill, uh, elected out of North Carolina. Uh, and, uh, Sam, as we were talking prior to the break, uh, 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 Congressman uh, G.K. Butterfield, chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus, is only one role that he plays in Washington, uh, that his hands are in a lot of things, making a lot of impact. Uh, and, again, they're not strictly based upon the Congressional Black Caucus, though that is a very important uh, 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 organization that he is running and head of. Uh, and counted a privilege to be there, and we take nothing away from that. Uh, but as we dig into him tonight, you're going to find uh, a versatile uh, G.K. Butterfield that's making some differences and that are impacting families across the United States. And uh, we want to shine a little bit of light on that tonight, Sam. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, he was elected into office uh, in, uh, in the Congress in, in July of 2004. Uh, he sits on the Energy and Commerce Committee, and then as far as subcommittees are concerned, uh, he's involved in health, communications and technology, commerce, manufacturing and trade, and then at, and leadership role uh, inclu- includes chief deputy whip for the Democratic Caucus, and then obviously as you as you mentioned before, uh, chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. So you know he um, he has his hands full, and and as you were talking earlier, and I, and I think even uh, the clip that you played uh, at the top of the program, you can tell his. Uh, passion for a strong economy uh he has a passion for those who are living in poverty yeah uh and and that's that's important because very often especially you know we're coming up on an election year and how many times in in the past have we heard politicians uh and polls focusing on the middle class because the middle class uh is that is that group of people in our nation that gets people into office and very often, uh, the ones who are in the lower class uh, and those who are living below the poverty level, people just totally dismiss, you know, their, their living conditions and the and the programs that could actually help them. Because a lot of times, people are in these situations not because of their own doing, sure. but because of other circumstances. It could be the economy. It could be just uh, uh, things that are going on in the areas where they live. So. To see someone like Congressman Butterfield taking on the challenges to support those who are in poverty and just to support the economy uh, in general, uh, it, it's awesome. 
Well, he made the statement. I uh, heard him speak in regards to poverty. Uh, and he said he comes from one of the poorest districts uh, in North Carolina, has one of the highest poverty levels wow. in the United States. And uh, I think when you come from that area and, and you are elected, uh, again, you don't forget uh, the people back home. And I think he's taken that upon himself for them to, uh, to get involved because, you know what, we understand poverty will be in America. But to the level that poverty is, and, and we as human beings have an opportunity to change that, yeah. then we, somebody must be held accountable that you have some folks in poverty, but should they be there? And is it's something being done to get them out of poverty? One of the things that Congressman Butterfield, uh, Sam, as you alluded to, is very passionate about, um, and he seems to be passionate about the things that matter most. And it's the piece of forgotten. John that lives down the street that nobody really cares much about. Uh, it's about the forgotten family that may live in a lower income area that people think, well, they really don't matter. Right. Uh, Congressman Butterfield takes a position that contradicts every stereo uh, type, if you will, that goes against folks that feel uncared about. They are voters in this country. Yeah. They, they are people. And we said before, they say black lives matter all lives matter and it doesn't matter what economic class you come from uh what uh part of the country you may live uh this is what congress is supposed to be doing uh and and congressman butterfield cliff as we have uh, alluded to here with him uh taking the initiative to say you know what it should not be people are trying to put food on the table that matters to the american people people are trying to send their kids to college to have a better life those things matter uh and Cliff, as we look at the nation, the temperature of the nation right now, uh, has that message gotten lost? Well, it seems on so many levels that it has. I mean, there's there's so many people that don't deal with, uh, you know, with that message and with those issues. They want to they want to press on, go past, uh, you know, bypass whatever word you want to use, whatever type of phrase you want to say as basically them uh, passing the buck or just trying to get out of dealing with the real issues and help out the common, you know, American citizen. And when you look at Congressman Butterfield, you, you, I looked at the uh, his his leadership, uh, basically where he sits. I mean, he's the he's the chief deputy whip, the Democratic caucus chair, obviously the Congressional Black Caucus chair, as we said before. He's the Out of Poverty Caucus co-chair and State Medicine Expansion Caucus co-chair. And some of the task forces that he champions with the with the Congressional Black Caucus, these are things that says, look, I'm not only about, you know, I mean, obviously about the people, my constituents, but not only them. Everyone in America, when you look at the task forces, childhood cancer, community college, Congressional African Partnership for Economic Growth, Congressional Caucus on Community Health Centers, Congressional Diabetes, Congressional Glaucoma, Congressional Congressional Historic Preservation, Congressional Native American, Congressional Rural Housing, Congressional Task Force on Alzheimer's. This is just a small portion of what the the task force that he's taken up. So this gives you a broad overview of, you know, he he's pretty much got his hands everywhere everywhere because he is a type of congressman that says i'm about the people and all of these issues deal with more than just his uh you know so-called quote unquote constituents this is uh nationwide from children to health care 
to veterans. Uh, to veterans, Native Americans, I mean, uh, housing poverty, everything. He has his hands in it to say, I am about the American people. And that is what, that is one of the main reasons uh, of being a spotlight on Capitol Hill here on AJC Radio is because it takes more than just saying, hey, I did for my constituents. That's very important, but it takes more for that. You have to reach out to the common man and let him know that I am a hand extended sure. from the American people, and I am your hand up when you feel like you're down and no one else cares. Well, and, he make, and he makes a statement here. It says, uh, not a statement, but let, let, this information I think is really important. It said, uh, Congressman Butterfield, growing up in the segregated city of Wilson, North Carolina, gave Congressman Butterfield a front row seat to the fight for civil rights in the South. In the late 1940s, Dr. Butterfield helped found the Wilson branch of the NAACP, which was formed to register black voters in the country, in the county. And in 1953, Congressman Butterfield's father became the first African-American elected to the city council in Wilson and the first black elected official in eastern North Carolina since Reconstruction. So this talks about where the roots. Yeah, it's a, are, house, it's a household man, thing. This is a household. This stays in the family, if yep. you will. And uh, I think that, again, growing up and seeing the fight, it puts a little fight in you. Yeah. To, to fight. And that's what you need. Absolutely. Sam, your thoughts? Well, you know, when you look at the activities of his father and his mother, his mother being a teacher for 48 years, you know, obviously that's where the drive for education and to, to uh, continue to move forward uh, to, to excel. And that moved him into the position of uh, where he is today. But prior to that, and you made a comment to it earlier, uh, in 1988, he was elected as a resident superior court judge, and uh, he uh, presided over both civil and criminal court cases in 46 counties in North Carolina. And then he also served on the North Carolina Supreme Court, uh, which is a position whereby he was appointed by the governor of North Carolina at that time. And so, you know, once he... Uh, retired from the judiciary after 15 years of service, uh, he successfully ran for Congress. And uh, the passions that he grew up with, the things that he saw, uh, he was able to take that to a national platform. And uh, Congressman Butterfield, we talked about it, Cliff, earlier uh, in regards to uh, his and Sam and Orsha, and his fight against poverty. Yeah, uh, seems very, very dear to him. But for, for the African American community in, in rural areas in this country. Congressman Butterfield had something to say about this. Let's see what he had to say. Uh, but, Mr. Horsford, I, I, I don't know much about your state of Nevada, but I, I can tell you a lot about my state of North Carolina, and I can tell you uh, these are some tough times. Uh, these are tough times for poor people. Uh, these are tough times for rural communities all across America. Uh, I represent one of the poorest districts in, in the whole country. Uh, one in four people in my district, uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, including uh, 36% of children, uh, live at or below the poverty level. That's a statistic that is worth bearing. I want to repeat it. 36% of the children who live in my congressional district live below the poverty level, and that is unacceptable. The poverty problem in America is actually getting worse. At a time when it should be getting better, it is actually getting worse. Uh, there's a huge difference. There's a huge gap between the haves and the have-nots. Uh, the poverty rate now is the highest that it has been 
in the last 20 years. And in rural North Carolina, median household incomes uh, have dropped uh, since uh, the year 2000. My district has vivid and unfortunate illustrations of poverty. For example, nearly one in 20 homes in some counties do not have a telephone or a kitchen. A lot of my friends in urban communities cannot relate to that. But nearly one in 20 homes in some counties do not have a telephone or a kitchen. Many of my constituents are still living without indoor plumbing in the year 2013. Well, I'll tell you what, Sam, um, that is that is alarming. That, and again, how do you pitch, how do you get your hands around that? Thirty thirty six percent is that if I'm if I heard him correctly, right? Live below the poverty level. And he was talking about in North Carolina, right? In North Carolina, yeah. And then he says the poverty problem across America, yeah, is getting worse. It's getting worse. And and in a study that was done or in a report that came out by Poverty USA. Dot org, which is a uh, advocacy group that's trying to make people more aware about poverty in the United States, reported that in 2013 there were 45.3 million people uh, living in, in, in uh, at the poverty le- poverty level, and so uh, and all the key points that Congressman Butterfield was making with regard to you know the total number of people living in, in poverty. Uh, and focusing in on the level of children, uh, it hits seniors who are on a fixed income, uh, and by ethnic group, uh, ethnicity, you know, it is what you would imagine it to be. Uh, the highest uh, level as far as among the races uh, includes uh, in the African-American community, and this is based on the 2013 U.S. Census data, the highest poverty rate by race was found among blacks at 27.2%. Hispanics having the second highest at 23%. Uh, whites had a poverty rate of 9.6. And then Asians had a poverty rate of 10.5. And so, you know, when you look at that, and, and, you know, it doesn't, poverty hits everybody, but at the same time, it should not be, uh, happening. <laughs> you know, absolutely. And, and, and what is, uh, supposed to be the greatest nation in the world, the richest nation in the world, supposedly comp- comprised of the smartest people in the world. Why can't we figure it out to, uh, you know, to, to have people not living in poverty? And, you know, very often this, this conversation goes right to the point that comes up a lot of times, the dialogue of sending millions and billions of dollars uh, to other uh, efforts internationally when we have, you know, problems, critical issues right here in our own backyard. And, and that is so true, Sam. And I was thinking, you know, my mother always instilled in us the example that she set uh, for us to follow uh, as, as what she's done in her lifetime as an example. And as I look at Congressman Butterfield's roots, says in Wilson, North Carolina, uh, his the roots taught him the values of hard work and responsibility. His father, again, we reference him again tonight, Dr. G.K. Butterfield Sr., uh, was, re- was a respected dentist and elected official. Uh, Dr. Butterfield graduated from the, from the Meharry Dental College and practiced dentistry for 50 years in the poor, segregated community of East Wilson. 
says many of his patients had never received dental services uh, because they were unable to afford care. However, Dr. Butterfield did not turn anyone away because they were unable to pay. To him, access to care was a right for everyone and not a privilege for just wow. a few. You know, I, that's awesome right there. Yeah, I don't know if there's a documentary or anything like that on, on uh, Congressman Butterfield's family, but, you know, that sounds just like the kind of thing that you would, for me, it, it would actually capture my attention. I would sit and watch something like that as far as, you know, a uh, African-American dentist in a rural area and basically doing what he needs to do in order to provide services to the people who live in his community. And uh, because, you you know, folks know that, that, that a lot of times people can't afford it. Well, well, Sam, I think that, and Cliff, you know, when you look at somebody that, uh, I mean, for his father to work in a community for 50 years, uh, th- that, that's amazing. And then, then to say that uh, he didn't turn anyone away because they couldn't pay. And, and well, it goes to the feeling of, of, of Congressman Butterfield and his stance on health care. And the right to health care for every American uh, is vitally important to him and has been uh, a, a great, uh, uh, I'd say, a, uh, not a very happy time for him, if you will, uh, with, the, with the passing of uh, the Obama health care uh, plan that, that's in place that all Americans are able to get coverage and to see what he saw and observe and what he learned from his father, uh, man, what some those are roots that man that they never go away and they go on from generation to generation. I think this is something that, uh, especially on his counterparts there on Capitol Hill and his colleagues, the new ones coming in are seeing a true example uh, of, of what it means to be about the people. I think uh, Congressman Butterfield definitely displays that. Absolutely, yeah. and, and you know, I, I think also. Um, Something that has been hot and heavy in uh, in the media over the past uh, several months uh, is is the voting rights. And when you look at uh, the the how that you know so many lives uh, and so many people fought for uh, voting rights in this nation, and then just to to just allow that to just go by the wayside. Uh, Congressman Butterfield is one that believes that the right to vote embodies the spirit of American democracy. And so, um, and it says here that uh, he works tirelessly to eliminate barriers to prevent North Carolinians uh, from exercising their right to vote in free and fair elections. I mean, you know, when when you get to, and a lot of the background story on this around the nation uh, has been, you know, redrawing the district lines and and you know just messing around with the with the voting sure. process yeah just in order to get certain folks in office that is the type of thing that has to stop and you, and you just know that, th- that that's the type of thing that congressman butterfield fights uh, well, against that kind of thing from well, happening. Well, and he fights against it, against it very hard, Sam. Uh, in the issue that you referenced, uh, the voting situation in North Carolina, where uh, there was some controversy down there uh, because a new North Carolina voter ID law uh, saying that folks have to have their identification, a license. Uh, and he had stated, and I'm, I'm not going to speak for the congressman, uh, let's see what he had to say about what was going on in North Carolina regarding this voting issue. 
Congressman Butterfield, he's saying it's just common sense and it's something most North Carolinians want. Well, first, let me thank you for putting the spotlight on this issue in North Carolina. It's very shameful that our legislature in North Carolina and the governor uh, have decided to make these radical change, changes in the election laws. There is no need for a voter ID law in North Carolina. We have four million people who vote in every presidential election and less than a dozen uh, reports of, of voter fraud. Uh, we can see right through this. We know exactly what it is. It's a political power grab on the part of the Republicans. Uh, for years and years, Republicans were shut out of the political process in North Carolina, and so they are determined now to, to control the legislature. They won the elections in 2010, and Governor McCrory was elected in 2012, and it's now their determination uh, to hold on to this power that they have acquired. Uh, it is discriminatory. It, it disenfranchises uh, so many groups of people in our state. It's going to cost a lot of money to enforce it, and shame on North Carolina for making this happen. Congressman Butterfield, I think I heard uh, Representative Murray say that in the state of Georgia, when the voter ID law was passed, turnout among African Americans actually increased. Well, let, let me tell you, North Carolina has had a good participation rate over the years. The uh, the former governor and the North Carolina legislature have worked hand-in-hand -hand to liberalize and to, and to make the ballot box accessible uh, to minority groups and to women and to, to students and, and senior citizens. Uh, we have been a model for the nation. Uh, and now to implement a voter ID law is going to, to result in 300,000 people who do not have any form of, of government-issued identification to be disenfranchised. Uh, the legislature says, well, they can get a special ID card. Well, uh, many people will not do that. They will choose not to vote, and, and, and that's very sad. Uh, and the states even say it now they will pay for a voter ID card. And the statistics show it's going to cost $800,000 uh, to implement a voter ID card program. Completely unnecessary. Well, there you have it. Uh, and Sam, make no bones about it. Uh, Congressman Butterfield, you don't have to wonder where he stands on an issue. And he said, we're going to call it exactly what it is, because the more restrictions you put on that African-American community, predominantly in North Carolina, in that area, yep. folks will just not, and he, I believe that Congressman Butterfield has earned the right and the experience to know what's going on in his district. And if he says the African-American folks won't come out and vote, well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have to take his word for it as he stands again uh, as a champion and a leader uh, of not only North Carolina, but on the steps of Capitol Hill. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it, Congressman G.K. Butterfield, our focus tonight on Spotlight on Capitol Hill. This is AJC Radio. Come on back with us. We'll be right back. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252. Or visit a-justcause.com and click the Donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall.
History is important because it shows where you're coming from and where you're going. Type 2 diabetes is something that runs in my family, which means I'm at risk. In fact, one in three American adults are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes. And knowing this, if I do nothing, that family history becomes my family's future. And my family is too important to me for that. Take the risk factor assessment today at AskGreenNo.com. I'm a mother. I'm a father. I'm a sister. A registered nurse. I serve my country in the United States military. I'm your neighbor. I sit next to you at church. And my child was arrested. Held in custody. Questioned without my knowledge. Exposed to violence. Witnessed to rape. Placed in solitary confinement. Unable to call or see me. Shackled to a wall. Beaten. Sentenced as an adult at age 17. Sentenced as an adult at age 16. Sentenced as an adult at age 15. We felt lost. Isolated. Ostracized. Misjudged. Terrified. And in the absence of all hope, my child took his own life. And then I found the Alliance for Youth Justice. They gave me the support and resources to get through one of the most difficult times in my life. Now I know I'm not alone. And neither are you. Now we have a voice. Now we, we have, have power. power. In numbers. In numbers. In numbers. We, we can, can make, make a difference. There are approximately 2 million children in the juvenile and criminal justice system in this country. These are the faces of those families. If you are the family member of a child who has been in the justice system, or if you are someone who supports this movement and is ready to make a difference, visit the Campaign for Youth Justice at www.campaignforyouthjustice.org. Ladies and gentlemen, if you hear that music, justice is happening on AJC Radio as we dig into the life of a legend on Capitol Hill by the name of Congressman G.K. Butterfield. And uh, uh, Sam talking about uh, some of the things that he is doing, uh, his care for uh, the poverty-stricken, uh, uh, really in a, poverty in America is what he tends to speak to, of course, uh, he comes from the position of uh, what's been happening down there in his district in North Carolina. Uh, Sam, how unrealistic it is for most Americans to believe um, that um, folks in the United States of America don't have indoor plumbing and don't have kitchens in their places of residence. How unreal, and we know it's real because the congressman said so, how troubling is that? That is very troubling. And, and I think that's one of those situations where um, I think, you know, when you look at the fact we're in the year, what, 2015, and folks just cannot even even wrap their mind around the fact that people would live uh, in those kind of conditions. But it does exist. Uh, I was watching a segment uh, on uh, CBS a morning show on a Sunday morning, and they were talking about uh, the Indian reservations where that type of uh, situation is very common. 
where they don't even have uh, adequate drinking water. And so, uh, you know, when you think of, of that occurring in, in the United States, it's just, it, it, that's just very difficult to believe. And, and because it's not, it, it goes right along with some of the things that we talk about when we talk about judicial reform, prison reform, sentencing reform, and all that. If you are not personally involved in a situation like that, and if, and if, if those kind of things have not happened or haven't impacted your family directly, then it's the out of sight, out of mind uh, syndrome. You, you, you just are oblivious to it. So the same thing happens, I think, uh, with poverty. And uh, very, very often people are very quick to pass judgment on that panhandler who is on the street holding a sign, you know, saying, you know, just want food or will work for food or whatever. You know, are there some scam artists out there? Absolutely. But the numbers don't lie, I don't think, when you look at the fact that poverty does exist in the United States. Poverty does hit children. Poverty hits the senior community. Poverty hits every ethnic group in our nation. And rather than people uh, uh, petitioning to have social programs minimized, uh, they should be behind champions like Congressman Butterfield, who is seeking to uh, ensure that uh, in his district, which is also going to impact other districts around the nation, uh, ensuring that that folks have adequate um, uh, that their that their needs are met, and and the fact that any child going to bed hungry sure. is unacceptable, well, and, and you know that's going to impact across the board. If the kid isn't doesn't have something to eat, the kid doesn't have adequate housing, then that's going to impact the education. I mean, there are some who really fight through that, sure. and some serious success stories where. When you find out how a how a kid lived and how they came up, and to see uh, that they you know are now a doctor or an attorney or something to that effect, uh, those kind of stories are they do exist, but they're few and far between. Well, Congressman Butterfield, I think, is trying to level the playing field sure. and ensure that at least let me give some folks a fighting chance. Well, and I, I agree with that, Sam. Uh, and again, folks, we've been talking about. Uh, the poverty problem in America and the, and the position of Congressman Butterfield uh, is very clear. And, and this is an issue uh, that's critically important to our nation. Uh, I believe there was a vote at one time in Congress uh, in regard that there were at least an attempted vote to stop food stamps across the United States. And Congressman really? Butterfield was very upset about that, and he had some very important things to say about it. Let's see what he had to say. Thank you very much, Mr. McGovern, for yielding time. Uh, you know, Mr. Speaker, the gentleman from Georgia who just spoke, Mr. Collins, has finally acknowledged what so many other Republicans refuse to acknowledge. They have made a political choice. They've made a political choice to defund the SNAP program, and I'm glad that he publicly acknowledged that. I rise, Mr. Speaker, to oppose H.R. 3102. The Republicans are determined to defund this program, a program that provides food assistance to low-income families and to more than 20% of my congressional district. The Agriculture Committee reported a bill that cut $16 billion from nutrition. The Speaker wouldn't schedule a vote. Why? Because the Tea Party said not enough cuts. The Republicans then increased nutrition cuts to $20.5 billion. 
and the speaker crossed his finger and hoped for passage. It went down on this floor in defeat. Not a single Democrat voted for it. Many Republicans said the cuts were not enough. Now here we are again today. The Republicans, driven by the irrational Tea Party, bring us another nutrition title that now cuts $40 billion from nutrition. My friends, I know that cutting the deficit is important to all of us, but do not, do not, do not reduce the deficit by depriving more than 3 million good Americans of the opportunity to eat. That's not who we are as a nation. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, make no bo- mix no bones or make no bones, whatever the proper statement is about <laughs> it. Uh, how true is that? He says... This is where Congressman Butterfield gets my utmost respect, and hopefully, I believe the respect of Americans across the of Americans across the country tonight. Sammy Cliff, he says, and he speaks what he feels. Do not deprive how many millions, Cliff, did he say, of those families not being able to eat over what three thirty was it thirty thirty million? You mean as far as the, the actual level of, of what he said? He yeah. said. Don't take the food off uh, $33 million. Right, nationwide. Yeah, that's insane to me. <laughs> the, re- the, the research team is, 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 is confirming the numbers here. Go <laughs> yeah, ahead, no, Cliff. That's, no, you, you, when you look at it, you say, okay, the fact that that even can come up for votes. How is that possible? If, it, if, it is, if you say we got 100,000 kids that we want to ensure they do not eat anymore. And you bring a vote up on that. What is wrong with your mindset? And then you say, okay, to take that number to 33 million people. These are 3 million, 3 million Americans. Sure. Not 33, 3 million Americans that you say, we are going to vote that you will not eat anymore. That That's the essence of it. Because oh. to say, to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to defund the, uh, the food stamp program. To say it's going to affect 3 million people, how do you say we want to have a vote to do that? That is, uh, I mean, there's there's no way to even wrap your mind around that. And thankfully, gratefully, you have a person like uh, Congressman Butterfield that says, you know what? No, that's not going to happen on my watch. You're talking about kids. You're talking about people. These could be working families in poverty. These can be military families who are not making enough money to make men uh, ends meet. But their their spouse is out on the battlefield. But you want to take food out, out of their, their children's baby's mouth. Absolutely. That is that is insane to me. Well, and I think again, Sam, we talked about earlier in regards to uh, the veteran passion uh, that Congressman Butterfield has for veterans and the love and care uh, and concern uh, based upon what he does in Congress for veterans. Uh, but I'll tell you what, in, in going to Cliff's point. That the fact that some of these families who are dependent upon SNAP, which I think is a disgrace, that military families have to even be on food stamps while their husbands or fathers fight on the battlefield for freedom that we lay our heads down at night. What are their families doing struggling with anything? Least of all, most of all, no food to eat. And you put that burden on a veteran who's on a field, on a battlefield fighting for our freedoms. He has to worry about his children going to bed hungry at night as he battles and fights for freedom. That is a disgrace. Something has to be done about that. Sam, how, how troubling is that? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, when you have a program uh, that could be could literally impact one in five children, um, that's that. And, and I, I always have to kind of go back to you know what we talk about a lot of times when we talk about prisons. When you talk about one in three African Americans will African American men will go to prison or will go to jail at some point in his life. Well, this is just as bad when you're talking about one in five children that could be impacted uh, who, are, who are living at the poverty level by not having food. That That's absurd. Well, you understand why the Congressman, Congressman Butterfield's uh, passion on this is so important and why he's the right man uh, for Capitol Hill. Uh, these are things that make I, – I said it today, Sam. I'll say it again. The, we All of America are the constituents right. of Congressman Butterfield and every congressman that sits in office. We are your constituents. It's not just your district because your decisions you make. If you think Congressman Butterfield was talking strictly for his hometown of North Carolina, you're sadly mistaken. He talked about the families across the United States that would suffer as a result of politics as usual on Capitol Hill. Yeah. He says, no, we, that we cannot do that. That is the voice, ladies and gentlemen, that we need on Capitol Hill. Congress, Congressman Butterfield, if you are listening tonight, AJC Radio and Americans across the United States salute you and the work that you are doing. Cliff, as you hear, folks don't like, you know, if we're talking about Congress people that are uh, passing um, whatever bills that sound good and they're not controversial and they don't bring up issues of argument and sometimes people are okay with that. Tonight we dig into Congressman Butterfield who tackles the tough issues. And that is something... That's life and death. That's life-sustaining. Is the food that you eat. Oh yeah, no doubt. And you take 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 this for instance. Now, if Congressman Butterfield, when he made that statement about fighting against those members of Congress who wanted to uh, to do away with the with the with the program, today there said it, it, there are the USDA reports that there's 47.8 million Americans which make up 15% of our country, are receiving benefits, SNAP benefits. Mm -hmm. Now, if he hadn't fought that battle then, how many of this 47.8 million, pretty much 48 million people today that depend on that to eat, how many of those people would be somewhere starving to death? In America, we're ta we In are America. not talking about a third world country. We are talking about the United States of America where the... The per capita income of some of our citizens is that of a country. How do you allow people to suffer being hungry? And if you, you if you look at what Congressman Butterfield has done, imagine if he hadn't fought that battle when he did. How many of these 48 million people today would still be without the assistance that they need? And, and again, you know, we understand that there there's people on every side that abuse some of these government programs. Granted, we understand that. We're not taking that away from anybody who wants to make that argument. But when you look at our servicemen and women and their families who have to who rely on the SNAP program on a weekly, monthly, and daily basis for their families to eat, these are people who are putting their lives on the line for us as Americans 
they're putting their lives on the line for their country, and you want to do away with a program that helps them out when you don't pay them enough for the, the, the price that they pay every day. But then you want to do away with the program. That is why we need people like Congressman Butterfield to fight the battle for those who can't, to be the voice of those uh, who are silenced by the masses. No, and that's that's uh, that's without question. And uh, you know, you know, Congressman Butterfield is 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 someone as as Sam alluded to earlier. Um, all the other caucuses and task forces, uh, Congressman Butterfield is a part of childhood cancer. Community College, Congressional African Partnership for Economic Growth, uh, Congressional Voting, Congressional Caucus on Community Health Care Centers, the Congressional Coast Guard, Congressional of Diabetes, Congressional uh, Glaucoma, uh, uh, Congressional Historic Preservation, Congressional International Anti-Piracy, um, Alzheimer's Disease, uh, Congressional Rural Housing. Sam, when you, when you go into uh, these issues that, that mean a lot, to Congressman Butterfield, these are life and death issues. They're social. These are mainstream here. Yeah, yeah, they that are. That when I tell you, go to the heart of America. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think you can uh, categorize any of that as anyone's, you know, pet project, so to speak. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you'll you'll hear things of. Uh, I think there was one news program that had a segment talk, uh, that that was called, you know, the fleecing of America. Where folks have these uh, the the special programs that they will just piggyback on some other bill or some law that's going into that's being enacted just to uh, generate a lot of revenue for their district or uh, you know helping some friends out or whatever. But the list that you just ran down uh, are very critical uh, when you look at our nation uh, from a social uh, help perspective and and I, and I don't mean just health uh, like health care but just the overall health of a nation the health of a nation yeah uh, it, it, you know it, it would be that uh, and I know that the congressman is not a doctor but you know there's a certain type of um, association if you will that goes with each congressman that we deal with uh, I think you hit it on the nail Sam when you say he he champions the health of a nation, the lifespan of a nation. When he talks about uh, the Medical Leaves for Veterans Act, yeah, he's talking about uh, this particular, and he sponsored this, Medical Leave for Veterans Act of 2014, directs the Secretary of Veteran Affairs to issue regulations to entitle any federal employee who is a veteran with a service-connected disability rated at 30% or more during the 12-month period beginning the first day of employment to up to 104 hours of leave without loss or reduction in pay for purposes of undergoing medical treatment for such disabilities for which sick leave could regularly be used. It requires the forfeiture of any such leave that is not used during such a 12-month period. It requires such employees to submit to the secretary's certification that such employee use such leave for purposes of being furnished treatment for such disability by the health care provider. He's talking about taking a step you know, we say all the time in this country that our veterans sometimes are forgotten. Yeah. You know, we got we got veterans that are homeless on the street. How does a veteran become homeless who fought for you and your freedoms to live in your house and to sleep in your bed at night? How do we as a nation allow one veteran 
to be homeless on the street with nowhere to go. Well, you know, Lamont, Bill looks at that, Sam. He looks at that. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, a, a phrase or a concept, I would say, that is um, uh, has been implemented in, 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 the, in, in corporations across the country now is something called work-life balance. And basically, when you look at work-life balance, you're talking about a concept where they're, you know, encouraging their employees to prioritize between work and their lifestyle. So, you know, they, they so you don't get a lot of companies these days that are pushing back. If you want to take, uh, and to borrow one of your phrases, if you want to take little Johnny out to his Little League game, or you want to take Susie to her, you know, ballet lessons, then, you know, companies are not balking at that. They are allowing you to do that because they feel that if you have a healthy, uh, make a healthy lifestyle choice outside of work, then you're going to be more productive in the workplace. So thereby you have this work-life balance thing. Well, that being said, what Congressman Butterfield is doing, it seems as though, and, and again, like you said, I'm not speaking for the congressman, but his actions sort of look like they, they kind of lean toward this work-life balance thing and looking at it from a national platform perspective to ensure that every aspect of our citizens across this nation have balance. And that balance is going to help uh, for uh, to, to facilitate a healthy nation. Well, with that said, sick people can't go to work. That's right. Hungry people don't study Hungry well. people Hungry can't pass tests. And hungry people don't necessarily feel like looking for a job. Oh, I, uh, no. Let's take a look at I it, mean, folks. They, they set their priorities. Let's call it what it is. Everything in America, every issue that we're talking about tonight, that Congressman Butterfield champions, the long-term result is not only a healthier America, Sam, it is a more economic America. Yeah. If you feed people, they work. That's right. That's right. If you make them work hungry, they're not going to get proper production. That's right. That's why when you go to your job, you got an hour or so to go grab a bite to eat in the middle of the day because you're not going to be too uh, production savvy, if you will, without food. And that may seem like a very simple analogy, but it's real. It is. Congressman Butterfield is addressing issues from the first step of where America needs to go. And that first step is making sure you have a healthy America. And you've got an America that appreciates those that fight on the battlefield and not penalize them if they have to take time off work for uh, different um, uh, different issues. And I was go ahead, Sam. I, I was just going to say, you know, and, and then it also, I, I think, helps to break the cycle. I mean, you know, you have folks who have studied the system and they know how the system works. And it's if you are at a certain income level, then you can get certain count, certain benefits or whatever. But then there are a lot of people who don't want to be in the system. And if you give them an opportunity to get a leg up, they're going to take advantage of that, of that opportunity. And they are going to get out of the system and they're going to, you know, uh, do what they need to do in order to, to move forward. And so some of the things that Congressman Butterfield is working on, it helps folks who you know they're not they're not uh content right with uh snap or or anything else but you can't just take it away from them it's like you gotta at least you know those who need that type of assistance 
you got to help help him out, and uh, sure. and and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about some of his initiatives uh, as far as veterans and so forth in a moment. Well, well, I'll tell you this right now, Sam. Uh, right now, we pulled up some uh, statistics. Uh, talking to Congressman Butterfield's next issue, we talked about the health of America. Yeah, uh, the National Prostate Cancer Plan Act, um, and prostate cancer is a huge issue in the United States. Uh, it says here about two hundred and twenty thousand uh, new cases of pro- prostate cancer uh, for twenty fifteen. Twenty seven thousand five hundred and forty people have died from prostate cancer. The National Prostate Cancer Plan Act that Congressman Butterfield champions establishes in the Department of Health and Human Services the National Prostate Cancer Council on Screening, Early Detection, Assessment, and Monitoring of Prostate Cancer to develop the, and implement a strategic plan for the accelerated development of diagnostic tools for prostate cancer to review the effectiveness of diagnostic tools for prostate cancer coordinate prostate cancer research and services across federal agencies, evaluate all active federal prostate cancer programs, and ensure the inclusion of men at high risk for prostate cancer in clinical research and service efforts. I mean, the details of that, Sam, when you read the numbers of the people that have died this year, yeah, close to 30,000, and almost a quarter of a million people uh, have been diagnosed with new cases. And, and look at what Butter, Congressman Butterfield is doing. Absolutely. And, wow. And I believe you, you probably covered this when you were uh, kind of going through those stats. Did you not say that, uh, that prostate cancer is the most common cancer among men after skin cancer? Yes. I mean, and, and you look at... You know, uh, I think the not the uh, uh, American Cancer Society, they say that more than two million men uh, count themselves as among the lucky. And that's being prostate cancer survivors. Wow. And, and they say that, you know, it's, it's treatable, early detection, uh, but it's still an issue that, you know, it needs to have that. You got to continue that momentum. You got to keep well, things going. Well, that momentum uh, and the driver of that momentum is Congressman Butterfield, who says we established the National Prostate Cancer Plan Act to say, yeah, there's treatment out there. Yeah, we got things going on. What I like about Congressman Butterfield, he's never satisfied with what's happening. He always thinks more can be done. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And necessary as we again, as we said earlier, Sam, to promote health to a nation. Yeah, and you know, Lamont, I wonder if you know his dad was a dentist, right? Sure. So uh, I would just kind of venture to say that maybe some of his dad's friends were uh, in the medical field as, as well. You know, granted, you know, we were talking about it being a rural area, but being around, uh, you know, that type of dialogue growing up and being sure. exposed to that, and seeing his dad give. Uh, free health care to those who couldn't afford it. it yeah. You know, here it is something that years later, years later, years later, uh, he is continuing to uh, to fulfill the legacy, if you will, of his dad. It, it, you know, it, and, and he's at a, at a level that far exceeds what his dad was. His dad absolutely. impacted a county. Congressman Butterfield is impacting a nation. Absolutely. Couldn't be better said than that, Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, and we give honor to Dr. 
And that may not be proper etiquette for the congressman from North Carolina. <laughs> not necessarily a doctor, but I'll tell you, he's a doctor in the minds of a lot of people because he looks and seeks to treat the health of a nation. And that's fighting against poverty. That's fighting against cancellation of food stamps. That's fighting against folks going to bed hungry and children hurting. And that's just the beginning of what Congressman Butterfield is doing. If you have a hat on your head tonight, gentlemen across the country, I ask that you tilt it in honor of a congressman that's making a difference. His name is Congressman Butterfield, G.K. Butterfield, out of North Carolina, and he sits in a seat on our nation's capital, making a difference across America. Stay with us right now. It is 9.20 on the East Coast. As you tuck the kids in for bed tonight, as another day in school approaches, sit down tonight, you and the wife, with a cup of coffee or cappuccino, and take it easy as we continue spotlight on Capitol Hill from our nation's capital. Congressman G.K. Butterfield making a difference. We'll be right back. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who is innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongly convicted of crimes that they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause, toll-free, at one 529 Again, one 529 4252 Or visit www.a-justcause.com-and-click-the-donate-button-wrongful-convictions-are-wrong-let's-be-the-voice-of-those-who-can't-speak-from-behind-the-wall-a-just-cause-is-a-501c-3 we know you care now it's time time to change the face of justice Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders faced with trials have exploded. Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18... A U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't get justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details. dignity. I stand for respect. I stand for fairness. 
White. We're all the same color. When you turn off the light. Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio, and this is Lamont Banks. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Sam Thurman, Cliff Stewart. Lisa is off tonight, and uh, we've been having the opportunity tonight, Sam, as we have in Cliff, uh, looking at a, a man, Congressman G.K. Butterfield, uh, who I've uh, given the title of a doctor uh, based upon some of the things that he is doing uh, here in America uh, on Capitol Hill, Sam, that is is really thought provoking, but impacting the lives of not only adults but children uh, across the United States, uh, and his challenges to some of the stuff that uh, is just unacceptable as a, in, in this nation uh, that's on the on the floor for votes and things along the line. Talking about the food stamp issue uh, and uh, SNAP, if you will, is what they're known is what it's known by, and uh, taking the food out of I mean, he is a champion to say, wait a minute, we're not going to let that happen. And uh, Sam Cliff, as you sit here and listen to this uh, dialogue tonight regarding Congressman Butterfield, I, I understand the importance of spotlight on Capitol Hill. There's a lot of people that just don't know this is going on. Sam? And, you know, uh, as we talked about Congressman Butterfield and uh, what he's doing in, in North Carolina, uh, and that that still that mirrors or, or or flows over into uh what he's doing as the chair of the congressional black caucus uh one of the uh priorities in the in the national or in the uh, congressional black caucus is o- on poverty and the economy and you know the congressional black caucus uh has has always stood behind pushing for programs that would help to pull people out of poverty and so uh as they say on their website is like whether it's protecting the socio socioeconomic safety net uh programs providing entrepreneur opportunities for small businesses or increasing uh access to education uh the congressional black caucus members continue to legislate and advocate for the most vulnerable in our country and so as we stated earlier uh this just stands to uh, uh as an example that yes, Congressman Butterfield is pushing for these same things in in North Carolina, but on a national platform, he is aligned with the other members of the uh, Congressional Black Caucus to take on the issue of poverty and the economy at the national level. And on top of that, Sam, Congressman Butterfield does not stop there. He then talks about growing the economy and growing America. So once we get out of the poverty issues, he's saying... Let's take a next step. And how do we grow America? Through technology. Yes, absolutely. He had, he had something to say about that. Let's hear what the congressman had to say. Thank you very much for your participation. Uh, Mr. Hoyer, for the last five years, you have united us around a critical agenda focused on making it in America so that cities and towns across this country can not only build products, but build an economy that benefits us all. And I recall uh, so very clearly when you first conceived of this idea and you gave us all a baseball cap that said, make it in America. 
and I still have that cap and wear it from time to time. Um, President Barack Obama has already signed 16 Make It in America bills into law, and we continue to develop advanced manufacturing technology that has served as the impetus for manufacturing renaissance in the United States. Since joining the Energy and Commerce Committee, which uh, happens to be one of the best committees in Congress uh, since 2007, uh, I have been a strong advocate for growing the innovation economy. From immigration to cybersecurity, privacy to patent reform, Congress, the administration, and the private sector must all be equal partners in developing policies that keep pace with emerging technology, not stifle it. The 46 members of the Congressional Black Caucus, collectively representing more than 30 million Americans, are acutely aware of the unique challenges and the promising opportunities that come with creating jobs of the future. But America has yet to unlock the full potential of innovation because of the lack of African-American representation in the Internet economy. The gross underrepresentation of African-Americans on corporate boards, in the tech workforce, and in contracting with these companies and adventure capital firms is alarming. While African-Americans make up just 6% of STEM-related workforce, they are prolific users of technology. A Pew Research Center report shows that African-Americans use the Internet, they use social media as often as their white counterparts, and in some cases even more frequently. But African-Americans' embrace of technology and social media has not translated into technology jobs or seats on boards of directors. For example, African-Americans make up only 2% of the total workforce at social media giants, Facebook and Twitter. While some progress has been made, much more needs to be done. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, as we just said here, Sam... uh, uh, Congressman Butterfield speaks to the technology, the importance of growing America, doing those things. And, uh, you know, our colleague on this uh, set tonight, uh, Cliff Stewart, uh, one who is very familiar with technology and the importance of that. Uh, Cliff, when you hear the congressman talking about that, this is your world. Uh, how motivating is that, that someone in Congress is, is again, not only thinking about yesteryear but they're talking about what lies ahead for america and we know technology is a big part of that cliff your thoughts on that yeah i mean it's it's very critical because you realize that um the the congressman and whether he's tech whether he's technologically savvy or not he understands the impact that technology is having on america he understands the impact that technology is having um you know, on the on the African American community as well as others, but to bring a spotlight to what is going on to ensure that there is a level of uh, of fairness, a level of equality in technology. As he as he spoke, you know, you have you have technology giants, Twitter and Facebook, and the very small population of their employees that actually are African American and and. Congressman Butterfield has taken an initiative for the Congressional Black Congress to uh, for 2020 to come up with a basically a, a technical um, what do you call it? What would you call initiative? it? Uh, yeah, initiative. Initiative. That's the <laughs> word right there. So he's taking a technical initiative uh, that basically says and and reading from their website, you know, you can go out to the Congressional. Um, to the Congressional Black Caucus, and it's called Tech 2020. And he says, for more than 44 years, 
The CBC has been on the front lines of fighting for opportunities and equality in education, health care, houses, and many others. Now that fight expands to, to well, technology. America hasn't yet unlocked the full potential of innovation because of the lack of African-American representation in the technology industry. Of course, it goes on more and more, but he lays it out. I mean, he, well. he, is, not, he <laughs> is not timid or shy about saying, hey, we need a better representation, and we do. It goes all the way back to where is African, uh, African-American representation in sports? And and uh, the diff- in the medical industry, in manufacturing, and architecture, and engineering. Now he's saying we need to show that the African American community in America we're technologically savvy as well, Absolutely. and we deserve a place at the table because how many billions of, do- of uh, African American dollars go into these industries every year? How many how many uh, you know African Americans use Facebook, Twitter, Google? Sure. So then let's get some employment. Well, well, look, look, I'll tell you right now, Congressman Butterfield, if you're listening tonight or if you're in North Carolina, you have something to be proud about, about a man that, you know, he's growing with the times and he's moving, Sam, with the tide. And as time changes and technology grows, we got a congressman and Congressman Butterfield and, 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 and Cliff, to your point, then he steps into the role of CBC leader. And says, we are here to champion for the African-American community. Uh, Sam, if it doesn't give you goosebumps up your back, it sure makes you want to break out an American (laughs) flag, doesn't it? Well, you know, as Cliff was talking about the technology and the uh, Congressional Black Caucus uh, efforts with Tech 2020, and Congressman Butterfield joining forces with his colleagues there uh, at the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, they, that, there are a lot of uh, excellent things that they're trying to do. And, and, you know, it, it actually makes me think about the fact that uh, our history as a people, as African Americans, as black folks, you know, a host of inventors sure. all the way down the line. I mean, when you go back to the traffic light, you know, it's the kind of things that we don't get credit for or people don't know about. But uh, African American community is not does not lack when it comes to talent, talent and and innovation. And so, but this type of uh, effort on the part of the Black uh, Caucus, the Congressional Black Caucus, is to uh, level the playing field. Well, I, I mean, corporate America has to, sure. you know, recognize that. And and as far as the representation, oh, absolutely, uh, African American community is sore lacking as far as the representation and if you go out to the website of the uh, Congressional Black Caucus you can go to cbc-butterfield.house.gov forward slash tech again cbc-butterfield.house.gov forward slash tech and you will really be impressed by what the Congressional Black Caucus has laid out on Tech 2020 when it comes to principles and their focus areas and, and so forth I'm impressed well, man, I'll tell you right now, uh, Congressman Butterfield is making a huge impact on this nation. And uh, to, to, to step to the plate with these issues, uh, man, his dad would be proud. I believe that. And uh, Congressman Butterfield, uh, again, tonight, our spotlight on Capitol Hill, uh, making a difference across the nation and all over the nation, Sam. And uh, for further information on this program, you can go to AJCRadio.com, AJCRadio.com. We're going to archive tonight's program. Uh, But coming up as we get ready to go to break right now, um, Congressman Butterfield, and I want to leave it with this, is about judicial reform. He has a problem 
with the issues that this country has been going through over the last several months. As I said earlier, Sam and Cliff, his, his intention was to address the issues of judicial injustice in this nation. And coming up is Pastor Rose Banks, who called in the other night. We ended up losing her off the air for technical difficulties. She's going to speak to injustice and what has happened that to her as a mother seeing justice being dragged through the street and no one will pick her up. Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio, and we'll be right back with you. This is Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Coming up, Pastor Rose Banks. We'll be right back with you. Odds of becoming an astronaut, 1 in 13,200,000. Odds of being struck by lightning, 1 in 576,000. Odds of dating a supermodel, 1 in 88,000. Odds of bowling a perfect game, 1 in 11,500. Odds of being trapped in an elevator, 1 in 24,528. Odds of catching a ball at a major league game, 1 in 563. Odds of an injury from shaving, 1 in 6,585. Odds of tripping while texting, 1 in 10. Odds of getting cancer in your lifetime, 1 in 2 men, 1 in 3 women. It's up to us to change the odds for our generation. For the ones we love. For our future. If you don't like the odds, stand up. Stand up to cancer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to AJC Radio, as tonight has been a fulfilling night as we have talked about Congressman G.K. Butterfield, a legend and a champion on Capitol Hill and uh, who's made a difference across the nation. And we are aware that judicial injustice is something that matters to Congressman Butterfield, and we dedicate uh, the last portion of this program uh, to a conversation of critical importance by Pastor Rose Banks discussing injustice and how it has affected her life. And Pastor Banks, are you with us? Pastor Banks, are you with us? Yes, I am. Okay, and we give you the floor tonight to continue your conversation about injustice that has taken place and personally affected you as well as the family. We give you the floor. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, I was sitting here thinking tonight as I listened to the show uh, about uh, all the things that you were saying about this congressman, uh, how beautiful it would be if we had that uh, throughout Congress with that kind of passion and love and care about those that are less fortunate than we are. And... I was thinking about justice and how important it is. When I was up praying this morning, I I made sure that I made my request known to God, and that is, let us see justice like we've never seen it. Now, what I'm about to say, a lot of people may agree with it and they may not agree with it, is that um, I think some of the violence that we've seen across the country 
with the killings of black men, I truly believe that we wouldn't see the violence if every person felt like they were going to get justice. And that if somebody wrongs you, regardless to whether they're a police officer or whoever they may be, if they wrong you, if they do an injustice to you, I think for the most part, black people as a whole would say, well, as long as you pay for your crime, not that the pain is not there for the families who lose loved ones in a violent way because it is, but I think the greatest part of that is that that we don't understand why, because of the color of our skin, that we don't get that we get one one thing uh, one type of punishment comes to us, another goes to uh, goes to the white race of people, and I was really saddened by that. I was saddened because I experienced it in my own life with my three children. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm not a mother that would stand with my kids when they're wrong. If they're wrong, I think they should pay for it. If they break the law, they should pay for it. But I think what has hurt me more than anything in the world, and I never knew that the system worked that way. I told the IRP6 one time, I said, if I had known that what they're calling the judicial process was that corrupt, I would have told y'all to move to Washington and fight your battle on the hill if you had to sleep on the steps, if I had known. But I said to my sons that are uh, uh, the IRP6, I said to them, uh, you'll be fine as long as you've got your evidence to prove that nothing illegal or wrong was done. That's what I was taught all my life. But I truly believe that God allows us to go through things that we may know what it really, what justice really is in this country. And I, now I think more than ever do I reach out to people that are hurting. If I hear somebody tell me that I'm going to prison or, or I didn't do it, I used to a long time ago because I, I believed in the system so much, I would say, well, they must have done something. But I'm telling you, you, when you walk in their shoes for a moment, that's when you find out that's not always true. Everybody that says I didn't do it, didn't do it. They believe that. I remember when I was going to the prison, the church was going there preaching, and, and we said, uh when I walked in there, one of the guards said, don't pay attention to these, to these prisons in here. He said, they're all innocent. They all did nothing. I think it's sad that we judge everybody off of the same rule and not listening to what they're saying to find out if they really did. If are they Now when I see somebody on TV that says, they're guilty uh, uh, because they did this or they did that. I have a question mark now because I understand that if they want you, if the judicial process 
wants to destroy you. They have the power and the money to do it. But what I love about my life and my family is that God is bigger than the government. He's bigger than all these people who sought you harm, and and he will avenge you. He didn't tell us to take it into our hands to do it. He said, I will avenge you. And so that's what I pray for. God, you let the world know the things that our men were accused of, that they never did it. I said, that's more important to me at this point in my life than anything else. Let it be known, all the corruption and the things, the crooked judge, the crooked prosecutor, uh, the crooked court reporter, who after the, after the uh, transcript was paid for, for $10,000, she got with the judge and threw and, and, and would not give it to us and told three different lies about it. First they had it. It was up to her discretion to give it to us. Well, it shouldn't be up to your discretion if it's paid for. Uh, I looked at that, and, and I it, to this day, it bothers me. It bothers me that my son, Lamont Banks, went to prison for seven years. And just the other day, he told me, he said, Mama, my back was hurting me so bad last night. Every time he tells me that, I say, call me, Ma, I'll pray for you over the phone. And, but he won't call. He said, I don't want to wake you up. I know you're tired. And I said, well, everybody else wakes me up. Don't feel bad. And so when I thought about that, I thought that is something that he should not have to be dealing with. Now, even if he had committed a crime and went to prison, still... The, the beds that they put those men on that they call beds are not beds. Otherwise, his back would never be in that condition. When I go to see our men, our RP6 men on Saturdays, they have shoulder problems and all type of body uh, problems because they put them on something, anything but a bed. To me, to take away a man or woman's freedom is is enough punishment for a lifetime. But to take them away from their families, their life that they've lived, and all of these all of these guys, the IRP six lived a good life. They got an education. They worked hard. They provided for their families. They did no harm but to reach out and try and help this country in whatever way they could. And my son said to me one Saturday when I went, he said, Mama. You know, sometimes I sit and think and I look around myself and said, I said I would never do anything that would cause me to go to prison. And I never did. He said, and I reached out to our country and tried to get do something that would provide for our country so we could be safe and our children could be safe. He said, and they reward us by putting us in jail because competitors, did not want us to have the contract. Uh, there were so many lies told in the courtroom by the government witnesses that they impeached several of the government's, uh, of the government's um, witnesses. 
The jury didn't even know what impeach was. The judge never took the time to say, now, when they say that they are impeaching this witness, it means they showed that they were liars. If you go to a trial or a courtroom and you have no knowledge of the, of the, of the, of the language used in the courtroom, you can't very well make a sound decision. Uh, that made me very sad, and I am to this day, I feel it, but I believe that God is going to bring our men out, and he's going to show himself to how corrupt this system really is. And then when the DA in this town, Dan May, who I really liked and respected him to a point, but when we had our first let's talk, when they said the DA was coming, I just kind of cringed. Because I thought, maybe, well, I hope he's not like the, like the ones we've seen. And when he came, he, he had a sense of humor, and, and he talked open about all the good things of the system. But he never told us about the bad things that are done every day. And I didn't know him, my son knew him. And that night we came home, we said, Mom, I heard a lot of things about him. I said, but we're gonna give everybody a chance, Lamont. I said, even if other people said that he's not the guy he presents himself to be, I said, let's, let's treat him and give him a chance anyway. And we did that. And then, when, we, when I met with them to talk to them, I told them that I wanted to talk to them about Lamont's case and about the IRP-6 because I didn't want anybody to think that our whole system could be abused to the level that IRP-6 was abused to. Or neither my son Lamont. So I talked to them in private. And he said, to me, he said to Lamont, he said, have you got your case number with you? After I told him some of the wrongs that had happened, and he said, I will, I will look into this for you. Well, you know a liar when you hear one. And you know when somebody's really not telling the truth. And I'm not known in this community for being a liar. I am known because she will speak what she believes is right and she will stand for it. If my son had committed a crime, I would have said he should have went to prison. Would I say that you should let them inmates' bodies be abused and they come out? And one man that was on our show not long ago, and he said um, he... he uh, he had already had six operations from what the prison bed did to his back. To me, this is torture. This is abuse. And I told Mr. May, I said, Mr. May, I don't know if I should be the one to come and speak to your attorneys. He had asked me to. And I went to talk to him that day. I said, I've had a lot of bad things to happen to my children through the system. And perhaps I wouldn't be the one to talk to your attorneys because if I did, I'm sure 
the pain that was in my heart over what I've seen, it would show itself. And he said, uh, Pastor Rose, even more so should you come and talk with your experience that you've had. And so I still didn't want to go, but I went anyway. And when I got there, when I started off talking to them, I said, I want to say to you, first of all, be sure you have the criminal who did what you say he did. Be sure you got the right man. There's nothing worse than sitting behind walls. You can't see out. You can't communicate. Uh, the, uh, the abuse behind the wall is uncomprehendable. I heard him one time, I heard Dick Cheney say one time, uh, we don't believe in torture. Well, you believe in torturing your citizens because that's torture behind those walls. And if the average American, even if you've lost a loved one through a crime or whatever, if you could see what happens behind those walls, it is unbelievable how they, how they uh, mistreated my family. They disrespected us. They wanted to cut off our visiting day on Christmas. All that stuff. It just, I can't believe that you would want us to leave for no reason. We abided by every rule. We never broke a rule. The guys have been good inmates, model inmates. They have never done anything that they told them that they couldn't do. And they still want to abuse them. And so when I was talking the other night, I said to Mr. May, Okay, then I'll come. Well, what, and he told me these words. I said, well, I don't know what I'm going to say with this having happened in my family. He said, say whatever you want to say. I give you that. But when I start talking about the abuse, and then my daughter spoke up and said how she watched her husband for 10 years work on that software because he felt like he wanted to do something good for his country. If we want to do something good for our country and we're rewarded with prison, we're going to miss a lot of good opportunities, a lot of good chances. And so I still didn't want to go down and talk but I did but from just the look on Mr. May's face to me and this is my opinion was that he didn't want me to tell that story well if you'd have told me not to tell it I wouldn't have told it but I wouldn't have come because I think it's, it, it, it has reached a point that we got to speak the truth in this country we got to quit covering up wrongdoing and corruption and sin and think that God's going to, God's going to let us get away with it. At some point in time, I'm telling you, this stuff is going to be uncovered. And the crooked judges and prosecutors who take great pleasure in cutting off your life and when they go home to their families at night, God is going to uncover that stuff. 
And when I think about it, it makes me sad at heart of how many people across this country. Because that Donna Belly that done that to Lamont, I thought, boy, you have to be an awful, ruthless person. Why did you come, why did you go to law school anyway? I thought you go to law school because you want to be a person that fight against injustice. And instead, you become the person who is is doing just the opposite. And then I thought about another person in our church that now she she committed a crime she should have paid for. It. But I thought they would take her kids and put them in foster care because they were they would neglect. They were neglected. She gives that girl 65 years in prison. But a white woman kills two children, and she gets five years. What's wrong with that picture? That's the beauty of God to me. We all get the same punishment. If you commit sin, you sin is death. That goes for all of us. And so when I see that, I, I am saddened by that. The disparity in sentencing uh, is so bad. If we don't change it, if we don't reform that, without a doubt, we'll continue to have uh, riots in this country. Because people, what they're really saying, just give, give the white man or the one who committed the crime, if he's white, if I commit the crime and I'm black, Give us the same punishment. Don't let it, let don't let him get away. I guarantee you, we would not have had a riot in uh, in Missouri with that eighteen year old Brown. We would not have had a riot if the police officer had been held accountable for what he did. And then when they hear you sentence him to prison for taking away a life, people are not really angry about the fact they are to a point that you shot their son or their daughter. That's painful. That hurts like crazy. But if they at least had justice, that's what Trayvon Martin's mother said. If I just could get justice for my son, I can't bring him back. He's gone. But what about giving that man? They said, let's do an investigation on on on, on Zimmerman. I'm trying to understand why was an investigation needed when 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 that night when that boy was walking home, Trayvon Martin, he was walking home. Minding his own business. And this guy, Zimmerman, he's looking at him and saying he looked like he's up to something. What made him look like he was up to something? And then, then, the, then the police responded back to him and said, are you following him? And he said, yes, I am. He said, we're going to ask you not to do that. They didn't need an investigation. They didn't need a trial. The man said, I told you, don't follow him. If he had done what he was told to do, 
Trayvon Martin's mother's heart wouldn't be ripped out today. Uh, without a doubt, Trayvon Martin, he would be alive. And Zimmerman then walks away as if he's the right fellow. We got to stop and think. We're human beings in spite of the fact that society don't always treat us that way. We're human beings. And when I think about that, I'm thinking, you didn't need an investigation. You just need to say, okay, you, what was the problem? You continued to follow that man after you was told not to. Had you gone the other direction and he went home to his father, he would be alive today. He wasn't bothering you. I just think he's up to something. Do that give you a right to kill me because you think I may be up to something? Since when could you get into my mind and tell me such a thing? That you think I'm this way. And that's the way they do a lot of blacks in this country. I think they're, they're violent. I think they're going to do this. I think they're this. Look, let me tell you something. The black race of people out of all races in this country, okay, they, without a doubt, they have to go through unbelievable, difficult times. I hope we get the message. I hope we get it. I hope Mr. May gets the message. It's so wrong. And I really thank you for the time that you've given me this evening. I hope somewhere, at some point, that we realize that everybody's life matter. Black, white, red, or yellow is wrong either way. Thank you so much for letting me have a moment, and I wish just cause the best. And thank you. Uh, thank you very much. And, and ladies and gentlemen of America, if uh, if you have some clinic clinics boxes next to you, you may need them. Uh, after the heartfelt um, cry of a mother dealing with injustice and we visit that tonight as we have honored Congressman Butterfield and heard the words of Pastor Rosebanks on the fight for justice and the horrible, horrific trend in this country and in her own personal life of injustice that has happened uh, we thank you Pastor Banks for your words and I'm sure they have hit home and this is we come to an end to another program. Sam? Just want to invite folks to go out to AJCRadio.com for uh, archives of our program and join us each Tuesday and Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice around the world. Lamont. Okay, and uh, we thank you folks tonight, ladies and gentlemen of America, and we thank and are honored to have honored and highlighted Congressman G.K. Butterfield, a leader and an example of making a difference across the nation. Pastor Rose Banks, again, thank you for your words and your inspiring words of courage. And we salute you tonight. America, good night, and God bless. Good night. Good night, America. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. Maybe I could understand 
some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. 